have brothers who are not born again. You have sisters who are not born again. And you are praying for them to get married. You are not helping them. You are praying for them to get a job. You are actually not helping them. Nobody prays for death, praise the Lord. But it's something that comes to every, every, everyone. But do you, know the most, do you know the painful thing? I've seen people who, you know, lost loved ones, parents. And for the Christians, you know, you just see the joy over them. And why are they joyful? They said, I'm just relaxed that my father or my mother died in Christ. I, I don't know if you understand. And it gives me, it makes me relax. And I've also seen Christians whose parents did not die in Christ. And I've seen the, the regret. So I said to people, you have, your, you have brothers, you have sisters, you have aunties, you have uncles, you have parents that are still alive. You are not talking to them about Jesus. You are not praying for the salvation of their souls, then you're not doing them good. Now, like I said, we must believe this story. Do you understand? And this was what Abraham said. He said, even if somebody rises from the dead, Jesus rose from the dead, people still did not believe him. Do you understand? He said, even if somebody rises from the dead, they will still not believe him. They will still not believe him. Now, I want to give you the opportunity to pray for your loved ones who are not born again. Forget whether they are sick. Forget whether they don't have a job. Forget whether they are not married. You know, the Bible says, For what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? I'd like you to present. Now, it doesn't just end here. Please go home, pray for them. Cry for the salvation of their souls. That is more important to God than any other thing. It's more important to God. So I'd like us to pray for our loved ones and say, Lord Jesus. You see, the, you see what this man said here? He said, I have five brothers. The only thing he could think of in hell is his five brothers. The only thing he could think of is his five brothers. He said, send Lazarus to my five brothers. But at that point, Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. They have Moses and the prophets. Now, let me tell you the truth. I hope you know by that time, Moses wasn't living. Let me just summarize that place for you. They have the Bible with them. And the teachers. That is, they have the law which represents Moses and the prophet. I'd like us to pray. What are we praying? Those who are yet to give their life to Christ in our family. First of all, let's, let's even pray for ourselves before we go there. Let's pray and say, Father, this faith that, you know, this faith that I have come to understand, this Jesus that I have come to believe, give me a deeper knowledge of him. You know, let me know him more. Let me hold on to him tightly. Can we pray that prayer? The man was in hell and he regretted you know, sometimes we take this our faith as if it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a matter of joke. No, it's not a matter of joke, brethren. It's something serious. It's something serious. And at that point in time, the money that the man had meant nothing again. While he was on earth, everything meant, you know, he was living well. And it was emphasized then in scripture that he was a rich man dressed in purple and fine linen. That's, a, that's an explanation of wealth. A man living in affluence. A man living in comfort. But he died and all those things did not matter again. So what we are praying is the Lord help us to understand the value of this faith that we have come to. Oh, help us to understand the value of Christ that we have believed in. Oh, let's pray. Let's pray. We are praying for ourselves. I'm praying for myself. You are praying for yourself first. Lord, help me to, to value this faith that I have come to. This truth that I have believed. Let nothing take it away, Lord. This truth I have believed. 
Lazarus, it was emphasized, he suffered while he was on earth. But he was, you know, he was living in comfort. He was living in comfort. And let me tell you the truth, that is how that man will weep all the days of his life. Oh Lord, I don't want to live this life of regrets of this man. I want to live, Lord, with you. Yes, all the days of my life. Oh, brethren, pray. Brethren, pray for yourself. That as the Lord gives you grace, you will deny those things that you need to deny. That as the Lord gives you grace, you will hold on tightly to this truth that you have come to believe. That as the Lord gives you grace, you have put your hands to the plow and you will not look back. And that is what we are praying for. Say, Lord, help me not to look back. Oh, there are people who actually put their hands on the plow and they look back. I don't know what makes people look back. But, you know, life happens to people and they look back. But Lord, my prayer is this. You are the one who sustains me. You are the one who, you know, who holds my hand. You are the one. You are my help. Help me in this walk with you. In this walk with you. In this journey of faith. Lord, help me. Strengthen me, Lord Jesus. Oh, pray. You know, Christianity is not the binary and cobalt. No, it's about, you know, that eternal life. It's about knowing God. It's about having that everlasting place of dwelling. Oh, pray. Let us pray. You are praying for yourself. Because the time comes in the life of every man where, you know, these material things doesn't matter again. And we just saw it here. A time comes in the, 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 in the life of every man. Lord, help me to hold tightly. Help my brethren. Pray for your brethren. You know somebody who is born again. Pray for that person, that the Lord will help that person. If it's your wife, call his name. Call your husband's name. If your children are born again, call their names. That they will not look back. No, they will not look back. They will not look back. They will continue. They will continue. They will continue. Yes, they will. They will continue. Ask that the Lord will strengthen your brethren. Strengthen us, Lord Jesus. Brethren is becoming more difficult by the day. And it's going to be difficult. It's becoming more difficult. Systems are getting, you know, stiffer by the day. Wickedness everywhere. Darkness, according to the prophecy. Gross darkness covering the people. Oh, let us pray that the Lord will strengthen us. Remember, the Bible says, Arise and shine, for your light has come. While there is darkness, your light is shining. No matter how small. Oh, pray for yourself. That you will not look back. Pray for yourself. Pray for yourself. That the Lord will strengthen you. In the name of Jesus we have prayed. Pray and say, Lord, the word of God will be coming to me this evening again. Help me to believe in the name of Jesus. Yes, help me to believe. Let that word crack every stronghold in my life. Yes, let it crack it. Let it break it. We have this prophet. We have inspired teachers. We have the scripture with us. Oh, pray that the word of the Lord as it comes to you this evening, it will crack strongholds in your life. Yes, it will. It will crack strongholds in your your life. It will. It will open your eyes to see Jesus clearly. You will see Jesus clearly. You will. Oh, Father, we bless your name. That we have come again, we give you praise. Not just that we have come. Behold, all things are ready. You are also set to feed us. Lord, again, we come hungry, we come again thirsty. We ask in the name of Jesus, fill us. Open our eyes to see. 
Give us understanding. Give us instruction. Inject grace into our lives. Father, we bless your name forever. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you believe that, give me an amen. Amen. If you are blessed, give me an amen. Amen. If you believe the Lord has answered your prayer, give me an amen. Amen. All right, we're just going to do some teaching um, this evening. We have done some praying for over 40 minutes now. Um, So let's just quickly take our declaration of understanding and then we'll begin to study. If you are ready for that, give me an amen. Amen. Take it like you are blessed, amen. Amen. All right, one, two, let's go. Now I declare the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, to pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 I said amen. Amen. You know, today, these are the things I say these days. I say it again. Today, new ability will come into you as you pay attention to these words. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. Now, we have been looking at the fact that he's the God of the nations. And why we need to explain that is because Jesus said, you are not knowing the scriptures, not understanding the scriptures or the power of God. And of course, when you have that kind of situation in somebody's life, the person cannot pray effective prayer. The Bible talks about the effectual, heartfelt, continued prayer of the righteous one. That is that which avails much, makes tremendous power available. So if your prayer is not based on understanding, it cannot be by faith. What God does is to give revelation of what is going on. Then people can pray effectively. I believe that God is raising us, I said it last time, is raising effective prayer warriors and he wants them to have understanding in their hearts. Let me say this to you. God needs, now let me start like this. God requires prayer warriors on the earth. What we call prayer warriors. Let's use the word intercessors. He requires intercessors. That's number one. Number two, he needs intercessors. Those are two, they are very related, those two expressions, but they are slightly different. The word need I added to let us understand that there are things he wants to do, they will not be done except the intercessors are there. Please, we've taught these principles many times, but I need to go over them again. Some of these principles I'll be explaining briefly before getting to the main teaching. Please, if God gives a promise, if God promises something, I was like that too. I thought that all you needed to do was just um, uh, know the promise and then claim the promise. Oh, no, let me start like this. It's as if once it's promised, it will come to pass. Then later we realize it doesn't work like that. Okay? If he promises something, that doesn't mean it will come to pass automatically. When he promises... His promises, they are weapons of war. Did you hear what I said? That's what it's called, his will. When God gives a promise, it's what is called his will. So he promises something, we now know this is his will. 
Now, when you have seen that thing, it doesn't come to pass automatically. We used to think that no matter what, it will come to pass. Now I understand. It's not like that. It's just like an architect build and design something. An architect goes like that. He designs. It does not mean it will be built. It's a design. Do you get my point? You would say the building is going to have um, three floors. It's going to have uh, maybe five, eight rooms or offices per floor. This is how the facade is going to be. This is how the interior is going to be. This is what the wiring will be like. This what it can do all of that. They put the plan. First, a model he puts on the table. Then gives the breakdown of the plan. That is what the will of God is. If you want the building on the earth, you know what you start doing? You start building it. You start getting, you get people to dig. You get engineers. You get masons. You get, you know, um, electric, uh, electrical workers. All kinds of people will come together to bring the will of God to pass on the earth. Now, those people come in different varieties. All right? One of them, very critical, is the people that intercede. All right? They are the ones that actually know the plan. The way things work on the earth, most of the electricians don't know the plan. Most of the, 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 the diggers will not know the plan. That is talking about um, the, uh, the spiritual things, all right? They, they don't understand the plan. The people that really know the plan are the intercessors and the prophets, those two people. They, they are the ones that have insight. So God may say that Israel will leave uh, captivity. That's the will. That's the plan. After 70 years. Now Cyrus, who would make them go free, did not know the plan. He didn't know the plan. However, Daniel knew the plan. Daniel said, I, Daniel, understood by reading the books. He was talking about the book of Jeremiah. The number of the years which the word of the Lord came forth to Jeremiah in that in which period he will accomplish the desolation of Jerusalem. Seventy years. Then he did his calculation and realized that that plan says 70 years. It is time for the plan to be built on the earth. So he began to pray. Now, when he began to pray, a man like Cyrus did not know Daniel was praying. But what God did was to move his heart, to move the people away. One of the first things God did was to give Cyrus the kingdom. And then he spoke a word to him. And you must understand, many times that God is commanding people, they don't hear any commandment. Did you hear what I said? I thought you'd be shocked to hear that. Many times he's commanding people that do his work on the earth. They don't hear any commandment. Let me explain what I'm going to say. God said to Elijah, there's a widow I've commanded to feed you. You think the woman heard a commandment? She did not. God said, I will send the king I have chosen to you by this time tomorrow. He said to Samuel, did Saul hear a commandment? He did not. He came looking for missing donkeys. Please, I hope you are getting my point. So if God commands somebody to do something, many times they don't hear anything. But that word goes forth and moves them. So when God commanded and said to Samuel, Saul will come and see you tomorrow. I am sending him to you. When you hear him say, he sent a man ahead of them. What does that tell you? There was a commandment to move Joseph to Egypt. Question I want to ask you. Did Joseph hear a commandment, go to Egypt? So if you are confused as to what I said initially, I think I've explained it enough. But that commandment went forth. And that commandment made the brothers 
of uh, Joseph, according to the character of their own hearts, they plotted, and even though they initially planned to kill him, remember that? One of them said, let's not kill him. Let's throw him into the pit so that his blood will not be on our hands. His initial plan was that I will come and rescue him. But the commandment had gone forth that said, go to Egypt. So before he came back to rescue him, the Ishmaelites passed. And the brother said, well, instead of killing him, let's just sell him into slavery. But it was the word of the Lord that commanded him to go into Egypt. So what I'm trying to say is that so a man like Muhammadu Buhari, our current head of state, president in Nigeria, may be commanded by God to do something. It doesn't mean he will hear a commandment. In fact, my experience these days is that many people that I tell you God said to them, God said nothing, neither do they accomplish the will of God. Many people that are doing the will of God, executing his plan, his decree on the earth, may not hear anything. But the commandment will have gone forth. But the people that know his commandment, the people that know that plan, the people that know that will, they come in two categories. The first, I said, they are prophets that he reveals those things to. And then number two, and they may be the same, I mean, the same person may occupy both positions, all right? The second are intercessors. The function, we have talked about the duty of intercessor, intercessors here before, what they are supposed to do. And we are going to go over some of those things as we go on today. All right, so the intercessors, they know the plan. And listen, that's why prophets are very important. The prophets, genuine, credible prophets, will tell you the will of God. They will tell you the decree that is a plan of the Almighty concerning a situation. We're talking about the God of the nations. So God will reveal his will to them. So one of the brothers a few days ago, anyway, we were talking on the phone. So he said, hey, how is Zenugu? How's everything? I said, thank God um, that... um, like we are sitting at home, you know, we are in Biafra land. I know, I just said something like that, that after this is over, he just laughed. He said, forget it, it will soon be over. He said, why? He said, because, now that's the point I'm getting to. He said, the Lord has decreed, and he gave me the decree of God. And he wasn't speaking as he has read the Bible. He will tell you what the Lord said to him clearly. And I will go back over time in history, and we see people like Pa Elton, what the Lord said to them. We will see people like uh, Rehon Bonke, what they understood as the word of the Lord that brought them as apostles into this nation, and they began to operate. So prophets are very important. You must understand. I tell people, what's going on in Nigeria? Well, I hear people talk. Once they talk from, you know, emotional hurt, anger, and all of that, I know they are not speaking for God. They cannot tell me the Lord reveals this to me. They can't say it. They can't show you any pattern in scripture that this thing is following. They just, they are just angry. But when you see people who will tell you, this is what God said, this is what God said, this is what God said, then you follow those people no matter what your flesh feels like. And I say it again and again, just by the way, you can scuttle the plan of God for your generation. I need to add that one to it. Because you may cry enough in a particular direction after where what you have been asking for is granted you, does not mean it's the will of God. You can ask God for something he doesn't want you to have and he will grant it. You can harass something out of his hands. Don't ever forget that. But then you will never, ever be blessed by it. You will never. If God doesn't want you to have a car, you harass him because you have gone to get us on principles and so on so that you get it. You will just, it's trouble you have bought. The peace of mind you had before. This is how you know some things are from God, some are not from God. Once they reduce the amount of peace of mind in your life, just know it's not God. Listen, before you start buying that thing, 
You were generous. You slept well. Nobody called you to be disturbing you that you are owing money. Then you have not gone to buy maybe it's a motor car or something or the other. And then since then, when they come to church and say, hey, please, oh, uh, we need to give money. We are going on evangelism to uh, one village. You don't have anymore. You used to have, oh, now you don't have. And they say, okay, there's one brother, he's in, he, his wife just delivered. Um, they don't have enough money to, can we support? Before, if you, you will, at least if it's 2,000, you'll put. Now, you don't know I'm building a house. You know, there are houses people are building. I just know God is not with them. If you are using the house you are building as an excuse why you don't do good works, just know God has left you. You know what you need to do? Shut that site down. I'm giving the instruction from above. Shut the site down. You are doing more than you can afford. You are doing more than God has commanded you to do at that season. When common generosity is now difficult for you because you are building a house, you are not building a house by the power of God. God is not with you in that project. I hope you hear what I said. I know some people have been delivered right now. I can feel deliverance. I'm feeling the deliverance from many people. You put on, you know, your children can't eat properly again. Say, I'm doing this for them. It's a lie. You are doing it for your ego. I hope you heard me. Yes, uh-huh. The point I'm going to make is this. We can harass God so much, he will give you something he doesn't want us to have. He will give it to us. But listen, our primary assignment is to hear the prophetic word. Many times they are clear in scripture. Sometimes God brings it by special revelation from the mouth of credible people. And if you have a prophetic office, please let me just instruct you now. By the Spirit, I'm instructing you. Purge your heart very well. Because no matter how anointed you are, if your spirit is not pure, it's difficult to hear God. You will color what God is saying. I've heard prophets give visions that God gave them. And as they began to interpret, my wife was with me that day. She got confused. I got confused. And I turned to her, and she agreed with me. I said, this man has just given a clear vision from God, a wrong interpretation. The vision was clearly from heaven. In fact, as we began to give the vision, we were all excited. Those of us who had understanding were there that day. We felt that God really has answered his people. God has brought a word of correction, which is the primary thing that prophets bring. Ah, and so we're so excited as he was sharing that vision, as he was sharing, and the Lord told him this. Then he began to interpret. And I said, my God is going on here. The interpretation was clearly wrong. You didn't need the spirit of Daniel to know this interpretation is wrong. You did not need the spirit of Joseph to know this interpretation is wrong. It was just clear. Why was it clear to us? We did not have his own bias. Why was it clear to us? We understood the pain in the heart of the spirit, which was why the Lord gave him that vision and sent him to go and deliver it. But as he began to deliver it, his own flesh came up, colored the interpretation. I wish he had just left the vision and not bothered to interpret they will have had enough time to settle and maybe communicate the interpretation to the people that, were, that needed to hear it. But when a prophet brought his own interpretation, it was a lost case. Now, so if you're a prophet, be careful. You need to be able to hear from God clearly. You need to pray because there are those who have the prophetic, you know, there are different kinds of prophetic unctions. There are different types. But there are people like you that bring the word of God to a nation. There are people like, sometimes I say, I say, God, I wish this man would just go back to praying and fasting and leave some of these things alone so that God can bring his word again. There are challenges you've seen that people have clouded with human reasoning. 
They've closed those channels with human thoughts, human ideas, so that even God were to speak, they will misinterpret what God is saying. It's possible to be hearing God clearly and hearing him wrongly. It's very possible. You say, how? Go and listen to Balaam. So I'm giving an instruction. In fact, not only prophets, every believer, purify your heart on a regular basis. If there's anger in you, go to God. Lay it down before his altar. If there's envy in you, don't lie. Go to God. Lay it down before his altar. It's called drawing near to the throne of grace. So you can obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. It's important. Why am I saying this? Because the, the architectural plan which we began this illustration with is the prophets that bring it to the earth and begin to intercede. They declare to the people. And then they begin to prophesy. In the process, they may be part of the intercessors or they raise intercessors so that the plan of God is now fulfilled. The people that really know God's plan are those intercessors and the prophets. Many of those who execute it, they will not know. If God says, let me give you an example. Now, many of the technological things you see these days, God decided them long ago. Long ago. But many of the men who God used did not know God. In fact, they are coming out and saying there's no God. And what is the proof that there's no God? See what the technology we have been able to bring forth because we put our heads to it. Meanwhile, the truth is that they were executing the divine plan. I hope you're getting my point. Let's take another example. NYC in Nigeria. We know the story of NYC is spiritual. General Gowon had his reason for starting National Youth Service Corps in Nigeria, the program. But before that, the prophet had prophesied that God will send messengers, young men and women all over the country, preaching the gospel, and the federal government will pay. It doesn't sound reasonable. It's a secular country. They cannot use federal government money to be preaching the gospel. But God said, I have decreed it. So General Gowanda started NYSE to promote national reconciliation. He was not trying to obey the vision that God gave to a man like um, Elton. He wasn't trying to obey that vision. He was trying to solve a crisis in the, pro- in the country. He was trying to heal the nation after a brutal civil war. But in that process, he fulfilled the word of God. I hope you're getting my point. You see the soldiers that were crucifying Jesus that were casting lots for his garment, that it must be written, fulfilled that which was written, which was spoken by the prophets. They never read the prophets. <laughs> they never read the prophets. All the things that happened to Jesus Christ, the only person that knew them really was Jesus himself. John the Baptist was not there anymore. The disciples, John, Peter, Andrew, Philip, and co., they were confused. But Jesus knew the way where everything was being carried out as it has been recorded in these prophets. I hope you are getting my point here. So those who carry these things out may not know. However, the prophets have a direction. The intercessors have a direction. And what the intercessors do is to pray that will of God into existence. I began by trying to emphasize that this will doesn't just happen automatically. And I'm saying to us, listen, this is what the Spirit is saying. There is raising intercessors. He is raising intercessors. And these instructions I'm giving is so that intercessors may be prepared to do the assignment. They will be effective in carrying out the assignment of God. Let me say something to you. It is crucial that in your life you don't fail divine assignment because there's judgment for it. It's crucial. Let me say this to you also. Satan, because he has an idea about this, you know one of the things he does? is to distract intercessors. It's to pollute their hearts. 
It will give them other things. They become busy here and there. They are not doing the ministry of intercession. And by that, the will of God is delayed in their generation. What is supposed to happen in their generation does not happen. What God is supposed to accomplish in their own lifetime, he doesn't do it. Many times what he does, and I think this most times, he shifts the agenda to the next generation. And in the ancient of days, he has a lot of time. <laughs> I hope you're getting my point. In the ancient of days, it doesn't, it, it's not in a hurry. If you decide to keep yourself on one spot for 80 years, it is you that it's 80 years to, to him. It's not, even one second has not passed. Because with him, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. There is no difference. So you say, okay, I'll bring this thing for you by evening. To God, evening is 500 years. You think it's 12 hours or 10 hours. For him, that's 400 years gone by. So if God takes 500 years to him, I brought it in the evening. <laughs> I hope you're getting my point. So if you want to shorten the time, you are the one that will repent quickly. He gives time to us for the purpose of repentance. He gives time to us for the purpose of aligning ourselves with his will. So many times people fail him in one generation, he moves it to the next generation. If you see what happened with Israel, the people he brought out of Egypt could not enter the promised land. It was their children, all right, that entered into that promised land. But promised land was entered into by descendants of Jacob. But the contemporaries of Moses, Joshua, Caleb, they did not enter. They did not enter. All the maids of Joshua and Caleb could not enter. Their, most of their older children couldn't get in. But the children after came into that land. So if those men wanted to enter, they needed to walk with Moses and believe the word of God. Please, I hope you're getting my point. So there are many things in, in a generation that God wants to do. He wants to do, it doesn't mean to get done. He says, for me to be able to do it, first of all, I raise intercessors for myself. I raise them through two methods. One, I give them instructions on how to pray in the spirit. When we say praying the Spirit now, I'm not just talking about praying in other tongues. I'm talking about praying according to divine plan, according to divine order. And I give them an idea of what I want to do. And then they start praying with persistence. We've talked about persistent prayer. They start praying with persistence. They continue to pray. It's in the midst of their praying that I do that which I ordained. That architectural plan is now built. It's built by prayer. Is built by prophecy. Two things. Is built by what? Prayer. Is built by prophecy. What is prayer? We are asking God, thy will be done. Let your will be done on the earth. What is prophecy? We get up every day, declare the greatness of God into the air. We declare Jesus is Lord. We declare the will of God will be done in this nation. We keep on declaring it. We wake up in the morning and declare into the air. Satan keeps on coming to people and say, do this or that one. Tell them how useless the president is. Tell them how useless the country is. There are many ministers these days, they are working for Satan. I read that in um, um, Regina's book long ago. And he explained it. And many Christians are working for Satan. And I counter them every day. Sometimes when you tell them that God appoints leaders, they said, look, it's only if the leader is doing good. I said, now you are the judge of good and what is not good. Because, listen, for goodness sake, the Philistines did not think David was doing good. You think they thought so? Am I alone here? Did the Philistines think David was doing good? 
So many times you think somebody is doing bad. Maybe you are a sinner. Yes, it's holding by sin. I don't mean you stole somebody's wife. Sometimes your desire in life, your plan in life, is not in line with the will of God. You'll be amassing money so you can send your children to school abroad. And then somebody does something. A leader makes an economic decision, crashes the value of the naira in half. Suddenly your wage bill to have children going to school abroad has doubled. You say it's wicked. God said, no, I wanted your children to go to school behind your house. I hope you're getting my point. I've seen people, all right, twist the word of God so much they say, pray for a leader. I said, he didn't say what we should pray for. So if I say I'm praying for you, you think I'm costing your house. Uh, did you catch what I was going to say there? When you say, good, 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 the, the, the Bible says that we should pray for our leaders. He said, he didn't say what we should pray. He said, we should pray for them. So we can tell them, pray for them to die by fire. We can pray that God will remove them from office. And that will be fulfilling the prophecy, uh, the, the instruction that says we should pray for the leaders. I said, that if I tell you I'm praying for you, you don't know what I'm praying for you to. Maybe I'm praying for you to die. I'm praying for that the promotion you are looking for will never come. I'm praying for you will be confused as to the plan of God concerning your life. If I was doing that to you, would you say, I'm praying for you? Nonsense. There are times we just take common sense and throw it upside down. Many of those, and let me tell you, we are falling for the temptations of the enemy. We are becoming ineffective. We are becoming ineffective. We are becoming ineffective. And God is losing intercessors every day in that process. And I'm charging the intercessors now again. Remember, you have to be resilient. You have to literally put your body under. You see, there are things that God gives to us as instructions from Scripture. All right? That without him giving us direct instructions concerning something, obeying the ones he has given us direct instructions concerning, we end up doing that which we did not even know was commanded. That's why he said, you have ordained your precepts. And that's Psalm one which we read a lot of times or once in a while, that we should keep them diligently. He now said if we do that, we will not be ashamed when we come in, come in contact with your express instructions, your express commandments. That is when God says, listen, do something in a particular way. You may not know exactly what he's even saying in other issues, but since you are doing the one he said, that is verse 4, he said, oh, that my ways may be established to keep your statutes. Then I shall not be ashamed when I look upon all your commandments. That is, there are things that we find out later as divine commandment. I will find out that I've been obeying that thing without even knowing it was commanded. Why? I ordained the precepts. I'm sorry, I kept the ordained precepts. What I'm going to say is this. When God says, forgive your enemy, sometimes somebody you thought was an enemy, which, who you did not know, was a blessing. I hope you're getting my point. Because you obey the word that says forgive, you start praying for the individual. The day you find out that the man was a blessing, you'll be thanking God. Thank God I forgive you. Thank God I forgive. I don't know whether you're getting my point. You'll be thanking God. So all things were working together for my good. And God said, I will not bother to explain that to you ahead of time. Because the only way you will get it wrong is if you disobey this other instruction that says, forgive those that offend you. I hope you're getting my point. I'm talking about Satan. What how Satan works. So every day Satan gives us offenses in life. And when we fall for those offenses, we reduce ourselves from the population of those who are active and effective intercessors in the body of Christ. For the, in the body of Christ. Listen, let me tell you something there. There's a reason why Paul said something to Timothy. That endure hardship as what? A true soldier. If it was possible to be effective as a soldier without enduring hardship, that instruction would never have come. Did you hear what I said? 
I should say it again. Some say yes, some say, <laughs> apostles say it's clear. Okay, let me say for the sake of those who didn't catch it on time. If a soldier does not enduring hardship that cannot take tough times is as effective as one who can, that instruction would not have been given. I hope you are getting my point. You know, if you just Google, go to YouTube and watch, search for videos on training of soldiers, training of U.S. Marines, Training of soldiers everywhere in the world, eh? Hey. Some of the things, training that I hear that boys go through in Nigerian Defense Academy, you hear it with your ears, and you, you, get, good, you get goose pimples. I can't, some of that I can't describe to you because I get scared. Talking about it scares me. One that uh, Yinka was telling me one day, as he was saying it, he said he wanted to go mad, just saying it. I mean, I told him to stop saying it because I can't hear it. What soldiers go through in training. I did my NYC in one of the military uh, barracks, um, three battalion in 30 those days. I went to talk to some of those young officers. <laughs> and you know, and <laughs> there is a certain amount of casualty in training is acceptable. In training, bullets even on two people and they die. They carry their body, send back to their parents and say sorry. The training will go the same way the next day. There are times you are crawling like this, and they are shooting live ammo above your head. If you raise that head, they they will blow it to pieces. They won't say it's training. They will be using rubber bullets. When they give instruction, keep your head down. And it's only this. You'll be shooting fume, fume, fume above your head. And it's training. It's training. You want to tell this sergeant, bros, is this supposed to be a joke? If you read that, this man's book, I think um, one of these men I read those days, a preacher. So when he was a young guy in, in training, military training, one day he spat into, there was a pit they were exercising in. So he spat into the pit, you know, just you know, in the process, the dust, um, footballers do it all the time. They spit on the pitch. He spat <laughs> into the pitch. The sergeant training them said, what did you just do? He said, move that spit out of that place. So he went to go, the guy said, in your mouth. He said, I thought it was a joke. The guy said, move it out of there in your mouth. So he looked at the guy. He said, one day I saw his face, I realized he wasn't joking. <laughs> so he bent down and used his mouth to scoop the spit and sawdust and sand that he had just released. That's military training. My wife was telling me about one young boy that this boy is so lazy. I said, how if he was America? The parents would send him to, to a boot camp. Be there for one month. When he comes back, he'll be disciplined. So Paul wrote to Timothy, endure what? Hardship. I like King James. He said, endure hardness. So many of us that can't endure hardship, we are ineffective intercessors. Let me just tell you ahead of time. Every little thing, we are whiners and grumblers and complainers. And we can't point. You know what they call point? It's Buhari's fault. It's Buhari's fault. And some of people say Buhari's fault. They were as poor as this under Jonathan. And that time it was Jonathan's fault. And they were even poorer under Obasanjo. 
And that time it was Obas and Joe's fault. In fact, all their life, somebody, it has been somebody's fault. They have never said, where is God my maker? I say to you again, they are ineffective intercessors. Now, from listening to me now, you can see that many of your brethren, many of my brethren are very ineffective intercessors. And they are pastors. They think they are critics. They stand every day to tell everything that is wrong. They, every little thing, I'm going, I'm leaving this country. Listen to me. If you have this, I'm leaving this country attitude, you are an ineffective intercessor for the nation. Stop wasting your time. You know, I just wish people would not waste their time. You know, I thought about marriage. Of course, over the years, I've been married for a long time now. Very, very long time. Apostle. Married for a long time. It doesn't feel that long, but it is long. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> if you are here and you have been married for as long as I have been, can you wave your hand unto the Lord? I was suspecting you, sir. <laughs> okay, madam. <laughs> you too. Okay, I get two seniors for house. <laughs> Any other person, if you flex muscle? No. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no. Now, for those who, Israel, are you waving that hand or is just him? You're scratching your head. Better scratch it more. Uh, what kind of thing is this one? There's some privileges we have in this life. Don't come and. Uh-huh. So I'm bragging right now. Amen. <laughs> the Lord is good. Now, one of the things I found out over time, thinking about marriage, see, those who make divorce easy, they are not helping the purpose of God. They are not making, helping the purpose of God. See, you know the reason why? Because one of the things that God does is to tie you with somebody who you can't leave behind. So the person, you must, you must teach the person how to run. I hope you're getting my point. You will endure. There are things you normally will not have taken. From a friend, you'll go away. There are things my wife has done to me before. If a friend does it, you're no longer my friend. And to make it worse, I won't even tell you. You just stop being my friend. But when your wife does it to you, you look at her and say, you are no longer my friend, you are still my wife. So what can we do now? Sometimes we forgive as husbands and as wives. It's not because of love. It's not because we are obeying God. We are just being selfish. If I don't forgive you, what do I go do? I hope you are getting my point. No, think I'm now. Look, there's a saying we have in Western Nigeria. They say if we don't forget yesterday's quarrel, who will play with today? Yeah, it's a, it's a proverb. He said, if we don't forget yesterday's disagreement, we will not have any friend. So that sometimes you just forgive, not because you are in a forgiving mood, or because you even particularly love the Lord. You just look and say, if I don't forgive now, even at this house, I will still come. I will still come back to this house. I know when we are Christians. Hmm? Oh, it's good to be a Christian. It puts you on the narrow path. There's no way you are going. You can't be angry and go and marry another wife. Because if you do that, God will not punish you. The brethren will reject you. So your life is just a mess. <laughs> oh, you're getting my point. Because if you say, okay, I'm angry, Apostle, this is the is doing to me. You just tell me I don't like it again. So I'm going to marry another wife. I will never talk to you again. <laughs> if you come near my house, my dog will bite you. 
If you go to Israel's house, Israel will say, is it because pastor drove you away that you are coming here? <laughs> Next, he will put his, python, his snakes will come and bite. Oh, if you go to Tonduka's house, you know he has pythons. These pythons will swallow you. So, with selfishness in your heart, you will go back home. That's the only place you can go. So when you are forgiving your wife, it's selfish. One of them says that, think of yourself. You know, my wife has a friend that doesn't grow, grow. She wants to leave her husband. Leave her husband. I told my wife, I said, go and tell her. There's a wrong time. <laughs> Just think of your own life. Just at least the guy has more muscles. So if he can't do anything for me, at least he can fight for me. I can call him when someone wants to harass him. So I'm calling my husband. So just forgive me. I told her, I said, tell your friend, that this gragra you are doing, your eye goes so cool. You are 40 something years old. That's why you want to just leave your husband. No other responsible man will marry you. This is Nigeria. <laughs> ah, is it not true? If I just do the man bad, say, I won't go. to his house and go and sit down there. The other house he moved to. Go and sit down and tell the neighbors, I'm his wife. I'm his wife. Just do it out of wickedness. So if you see any other woman near him, you find that one's house, you go and knock on her door. Beleo. Kedu. I just want you to know, I'm not planning to divorce that guy in a long time. So just don't waste your time. Go and find the other, another husband. That one, uh, how do you say, that one I came, that one I'm my own. Not uh, giving you. The Lord is good. No, that's why sometimes, uh, God, you know, God is very wise. Though. He knows, say if I let these boys go easily, they will miss out. So for, the, for some years, you will rough it and rough it and rough it, and finally you stabilize it. You know, by the time you are a senior person, maybe you are like, you are my age now. Okay, okay, okay. I've never reached that level. But you know, some men, once they have already so they know they vex again. No, there's nothing the woman wants to do. Dress up, let's go for the wedding at 10 o'clock. When they misbehave, they will still drag it by hand, let's go. The woman, the man will sit down there. This is the person you talk to the most. And you know what they have found out? The number one key for long life is to have a steady relationship. This is this is studies done by different prominent universities, Harvard and Co. One of them they did for, for decades. They found that the number one predictor of whether somebody will live long or not is not whether he has high blood pressure or diabetes. It's not whether he's rich or poor. It's whether he has somebody that he can rely on or she can rely on. It doesn't mean they don't quarrel, but at least the relationship is steady. Sometimes they're in the same house, they're not talking to each other. And they've been like that, talk to each other today, don't talk tomorrow. And they've done like that for the last 50 years. They are found that it's the number one predictor of long life. You are rich, doesn't predict much. Now, I'm just saying all of this to explain the particular principle. That if you cannot endure hardship, you miss out of a lot of the good things that God wants to use you for and bless you in. Yes, you do. You do. So people always say, just Listen. There's a reason why God tied that man and that woman together in what he calls marriage. In fact, somebody explained something. That do you know why Adam ate the fruit? 
that many of us are angry with Adam today. When I first heard it, I was like, okay, what are you preaching? But after meditating for it for a long time, I don't talk much about it, but I understood what the man was saying. The Adam Bible says the man was not deceived. Do you read that in your Bible? Yes. Eve was deceived, right? And she fell into the transgression. But said the man was not deceived. So why did a man that was not deceived eat a fruit that knew would kill him? Do you ever ask yourself that? I'll tell you. It's because he was bound tightly with his wife. And that's the only way he could redeem the woman. So he joined her. Because if he had not eaten, God would have removed that one. And then he would have been, okay, maybe we'll start again. And, but God, and God knew what he was doing. He had tied them together. The man found it impossible to let her go. So he jumped into the pit too. He knew he was jumping into a pit. So he jumped inside. Say, if I'm here, the Lord will redeem the two of us. And Paul told us clearly, he wasn't deceived. He opened his eyes wide. And he went and stayed with his wife. So when God came, he was forced to arrange something for both parties. I hope you are getting my point here. So those who make divorce easy, they are not doing well. I'm not saying, if you see, I use the word easy, it's an attitude. Americans just say irreconcilable differences. When the immigrant's husband left her that time, and, he, and she cited, or when she got a divorce, and she cited irreconcilable differences, the man said, yes, we had one irreconcilable difference. She wanted to go, I wanted her to stay. That was the only difference. That there was no other difference we had that was not, that was not reconciliable. So the only thing is that I wanted her to stay and she wanted to go. As far as he was concerned, he wasn't willing to let his wife go. But she insisted on leaving. Now, you know I said earlier, we'll obey precepts. We'll not find the commandments that we have obeyed them, even though we did not know the commandments were there. Sometimes, just the fact that, you know, like sometimes I give people counsel. I say, no, we can't live our lives by fear. Just that knowledge alone. I say, no, fear cannot direct how we live our lives. And many people have listened to me give such counsel, and they've discovered the will of God. And the only thing they were trying to win over was fear. That the only reason I won't do this is because I'm afraid. And that it can't go on record that I'm afraid. No, I do that. I mean, look, look, I say, the only reason I'll do this is fear. For that reason, I'm not doing. And that's me as a person now, all right? God has helped me with that one. No matter how right what I want to do is, if I find out that the primary reason why I'm doing is money, I won't do it. No matter how right. That if you do this, you are going to make 10 million naira. And the only thing I can think of is 10 million naira. Trust me. Unless I backslide small in heart, you understand my point? This heart backsliding, which I've not done in a very long time. You know, I told you, my friend came, you remember my graph? Your money on the graph? <laughs> Nemeka is laughing there. I never even talk about it. <laughs> my friend came and said, Banky, look at this investment. When he finished, I said to him, he said, look, I invested maybe like $5,000, he told me. There's money now like fifteen dollars or $14,000 that I should just join. I told him, I said, bros, my name is Jonah. I said, you are making money? He said, yes. He said, I'm just trying to help you. I said, bros, I kind of don't need that help. 
You don't want money. It's not like I don't want. But you are taking me out of my path to go and invest in something I don't understand. The only reason being that it makes money. I say, I'm not doing. He said, I don't tell you. I say, I don't hear you. Leave him. I just, I said, listen, bros, my name is Jonah. If I enter that boat, we are both going into the ocean. That's what I told him. He said, okay. And I know my friend very well. When he starts talking about something, the thing don't. <laughs> because he's a bragger. You know what they call bragger? Is that English good? Who are the English masters in the house? Say, okay, he's a braggist. He's a brag. He's a braggart. He's a braggado. He's a brag, bro. The guy can brag. If that money had tripled, I'll come to Sevang. I'll tell you that time. Tell me, say, you don't want to. Once he stopped talking about it, I knew something had gone bad. At the end of the day, I found out what happened. The money is still there on the graph. <laughs> but it has stopped growing because those who are growing the graph. Some people just stay in the house, be plotting the graph. The money, it wasn't, it's not like your stock market. It wasn't, somebody just stay behind, just be plotting the graph. Say, what, what do we do today? Tell them their money is now what? <laughs> Those people say, well, it's now worth 10000 for every 1000 They just, bam, when you log in, wow, the graph is going. You know, you know how I escaped that? Thing? Because I already had the commandment, which says clearly, if it's just because of money, don't do it. And that one God taught me long ago, if it's because of food, don't do it too. Just food, what I mean, like, if I come for your party, and I want to leave, I told myself I'm going to leave at one. Then one, he said, no, don't go yet. The food is coming by 1.30. I have a commandment from God. I'm going. I'm going to pack quickly. If I sit because of the food, normally the part that has some bad sauce is the one I will get. Nadaria for two days. So I have learned. If I, you see, I can come for your party, we sit down. But if it just, I say, let's just sit. Food will soon come. Bros, I'm going. But if I'm in the party and you bring the food, I hope you are getting my point. I'm not allowed to change direction because of food. If I have somewhere else to go, and I call the person, boy, I beg, I can't come now with the weight food. What am I saying in all of these things? Inability to endure hardship weakens the power of the intercessor. He becomes useless even to God. This is important for you to know. God plays games with numbers. Not really games, but it happens. Numbers matter. And one of the reasons good numbers matter is that spiritual things have measure. You measure, you'll be surprised. Intercessory prayer is measured. It gets to a point it is enough. Before that time, it may not be enough. So the answer will not come. Solomon said there's a principle in life. When the clouds are full, that is when they pour what? Rain on the earth. So sometimes, intercession is not enough. Yeah, it happens like that. We can't go into details of why. So many times what God does is to gather more people to fill up the measure. The prayer of the saints, you find is stored in a crucible. Prayer is kept. This person has prayed, give me his own portion, God keeps it. This person has prayed, give me her own portion, God keeps it. And the time comes, it fills up. And when it's full, answers pour onto the earth. So it's a serious problem for a nation. It's a serious problem for a church when God does not have enough people pouring substance into that measure. You know, 
I'll say this again. God created nations so it can operate effectively in many things. And when he wants to deal with a group of people in a nation, he looks at them as one person. He kind of deals with them together. So in that group, he can raise a few that will take over spiritually by the strength of their own persons. So that when he's dealing with the whole nation, he's actually dealing with a small group. But then he looks at them as if they are the whole country. I hope you're getting my point. So many times you see, in fact, nations like you know Israel, their name is somebody's name. You who know, just call them sons of Israel, just call them Jacob. And he's talking to millions of people. Do you get my point? Now, in, the, in that group, I was saying, there are certain people that are so strong spiritually, they overshadow everybody else. And then they decide concerning the nation. So when God talks to them, they may be, I don't know the exact number, but let's see, they can be ten. They can be a hundred. They can be a thousand. And what happens is that in the presence of God, their attitude, their spiritual character is basically all the same. So everything merges as if God is talking to one individual. So with their attitude, with their spiritual, you know, um, um, the spiritual character, God talks to that spirit. And he says, I have talked to Israel. I have talked to Nigeria. Anyway, the millions there didn't hear anything. But what happened was that of the few thousands that he counted, whose spirits lifted up into his presence, he joined them and looked at them as one. And really they are one because, you see, if you see spiritual things, you hear about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and you are talking about one God. How come they can be one? And we can see divide them into three. It's the same reason why a man and a woman can be one flesh. And the concept of oneness is that they are one in thought, they are one in desire, they are one in faith, they are one, they think alike. So Jesus says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. He has no opinion different from mine. He doesn't have power different from the one that's available to me. He doesn't do the things I don't want to do. So if you have seen me, you have have done what? You have seen the Father. So sometimes, spirits come together like that in the whole nation. And God deals with them as one. They have the same thoughts. They have the same ideas. They have the same recognition of the glory of God. They have the same recognition of the plan of God. They have the same recognition of the principles of righteousness. They have the same recognition of the principles of holiness. They have the same everything. And so God amasses them as one. And there can be 2,000 of them. And when he speaks to them, he has spoken to the country. When they pray, the country has prayed. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Now, to generate that force in a nation, God needs those people to be complete. So that is why he, I said they are, they are, these things have measures. They have measures. So it's terrible. So as God is building that one man in each nation, okay? Sometimes somebody is an arm. So this kind of thing, why he's doing that? I don't like it. He gets up and runs away to another country. So that person is not built. I don't know whether you're getting my principle here. I want to emphasize something here. It's so important that when we are doing things, let's know that we're not just doing things for ourselves. We want to grow into a place where we can speak together. I am my brethren. I will make your name known in the midst of my brethren, Jesus says. So I am my brethren. So I become part of the brethren. 
who are speaking with one voice, who have the same thoughts, who have the same ideas. And we are building up a critical mass until we can fill up the measure of the prayer and the presence of God and it can pour answers into the earth. Like I said the other time, so if I'm doing righteousness in the nation, it's not just about whether I want to go to heaven or not. Is that I want that one man that God has planned in the nation to be built. So sometimes I suffer. And listen, Christians must understand, it is not every act of righteousness that will bring you immediate good. Are you getting the point? It is not every act of righteousness that will bring you immediate good. Sometimes you do what is right, you suffer for it. It's called persecution for the sake of what? Righteousness. It's normal. And Christians get ready for it. You apply for a contract, and somebody will say, give kickback. The one that's more sinful. Inflate it. You can do this job for 10 million naira. Yes, we know. But want it to quote for 18 million. And we're going to give you 12. And you will sign for 18 million. Just by the way, Christians, don't sign for money you did not collect. It will backfire on you soon. They say, well, you will not release the money if I don't sign. Tell them I'm not signing. Let them not release it. If they don't release the money, you're not culpable. Once it is released and you're the one that signed it, the day of judgment is coming. I don't mean judgment or hellfire. I mean legal judgment, political judgment, civil service judgment. I hope you're getting my point. I'm talking about corporate judgment. The day is coming. At that time, what you don't say, no, what they gave me was uh, uh, 12 million, it was not 18 million. I said, but you signed here that you received the team. In fact, it was transferred to your account and you signed. Uh, but what happened was that the chairman of the committee said, the guy said, me? Said what? When he heard by me, when did I talk to this one? Is your word against his own? He said, it's not as powerful in court as documentary evidence. Please walk away from the business. The time has come where certain things don't fly anymore. They don't fly anymore. Just get it. We say, I'm not doing. So you, you, you'll not be able to head this kind of place. So, you know, I was talking to the, big, um, uh, the head of a big government pastor today. Center will go to Abuja to go and do something. We'll just go there. Say, those guys, they don't even listen to what we have to say. We just want somebody will just call you and say, come, where, where, where is the thing you brought? For senators and House of Reps members. And the Buhari is a problem. It's not a problem. One of the reasons why those people thrive is that nobody can tell them no. I remember the days of Robertson, they did it to Erufa. Erufa said, only, I'm not giving you. They carried the microphone and told the whole country. I might not remember. One of them died recently. I wish more people would do it for the sake of righteousness. You won't get a job. They will sack you. For information, don't say if I do tell the truth now, God will defend me. God will say I will defend you later. Right now, sack is your portion. Go to your house. Sometimes you it's called suffering for righteousness' sake. Peter said, just make sure that your suffering is unjust. That's all. He said, just make sure it is unjust. I hear one brother teach the other day, he explained something. That many of us think that this reward must be here, and that it's wrong for preachers to teach like that. And of course, it was quoting scripture, just that the way he analyzed it was what struck me. He said, Come, enter into the joy of the Lord, because when I was hungry, you fed me. He said, That was on the last day, remember that? That is many of the rewards for what you did, you will get them on the last day. Did you get that? 
All this so you see, you so yes, they want the answer tomorrow. It's not Christianity. Did you hear what I said? It's, Christ, it's not Christianity. It is ungodly. It's, what, how do you say? Christianity, ungodliness. Or it's ungodliness. It's not Christianity. And please stop giving stupid testimony. I don't want to hear them. Pastor, ah, ah, I want to hear. So you want to hear testimony? I just planted that seed yesterday and today. I won't share it here because I will mislead a lot of people. When you finish telling me, I'll tell see that you tell no man. Go. <laughs> One day I went to preach somewhere. One brother said, please, I should just encourage people. They have been laboring for God that there is reward. I said, no. Let them labor for God and enjoy it. I traveled. So, I went to preach. What I said, I should just encourage you. I said, I'm not encouraging anybody. <laughs> I told him straight to. I'm not encouraging anybody. If you cannot suffer for Christ, what's my problem? My encouragement, okay, I can encourage you. I can encourage you. Brethren, People have suffered before you. You are not the first. Amen. That's encouragement. Yes. We're going to encourage you that don't worry. Just suffer now. Then tomorrow there's a reward. There's no reward tomorrow. There's reward on the last day. That is the one I can guarantee. So if you are not ready for last day reward, please leave that. Remember the two that I was telling you? They said, this girl, before she sings free me. I said, sing free you now. You are free. Go. This nonsense. Are we begging you to serve the Lord? I'm not begging you to serve. It's for your own good. Listen to me, people of God. You will do righteousness and it will not pay. You will do righteousness and you won't get... The, somebody will say, okay, send the money now. And then you will get this thing by tomorrow. Say, so be like my bribe. I know they give. You won't get it, I know now. What am I doing? I'm making myself worthy in the presence of God. That's all. I want to be able to say to the Lord, I am not part of the problem. And people think when you say that you just buy two new cars, you won't buy two new cars. You just get more keke numbers that you have. That's all. What will reward you have more people you can call? Come on. It's not for you. You pay the keke man. I'm not telling you that uh, all the keke will not be kind. Say, you righteous man. It's an honor to carry you. No. <laughs> you will pay. I hope you're getting my point. It's people like that that, that come together. Eventually, they reach the critical mass. And their voices, or their voice, that's the better way to put it, singular. Their voice is now loud in the presence of God. Without knowing they are saying things, they utter words, and it pours forth rain upon the earth. Sometimes you know what he pours? Which is a beautiful one. He first pours forth judgment on doers of iniquity. He pours forth judgment on doers of iniquity. Please, I've said everything I've said in the last few minutes to let you know that make sure you can endure hardship so that you can be part of those who are amplifying the voice of the man, the single person, the nation. I'm going to say something about nation in a moment again. So that's why you are doing righteousness. You know what you're going to get? Is that God needs enough people that can fill the cup. Sometimes all they do is fill the cup so that his judgment can pour, so that he can cleanse iniquity from the surface of the earth. Then the blessing can grow without hindrance. It is not one boy that's going to do it. Like I told you, those who know the plan of God, they are the intercessors. They are the prophets. The prophets, of course, they are professional prophets and they are Christian prophets. What I mean by professional prophets? They are people who are called specially to communicate special revelations unto the earth. But all of us are, as, as Christians are also prophets. Anything those guys have communicated, we declare it unto the earth. Anything we have read in the scripture, we declare those things unto the earth. Uh, unto the earth. And that's how we prepare this earth to receive the work of God. Then God starts moving people who don't know what's going on. 
He moves them to do what he plans to do. I hope you're getting my point here. So please bear it in mind. Bear it in mind. I was saying something, because I want to now get to something I was saying. You know, last time, I was explaining how God deals with a nation. Now, let me remind us again, God created nations deliberately. Each nation has a spirit that God is judging and that God is using. Nations are created sometimes from lineages. You find out that people are descendants of Esau. They are Edomites. They are descendants of Jacob. They are Israelites. They are descendants of Lot. They are Ammonites. And they are Moabites. All right? So people come like that. But more importantly than who the natural ancestor is, is the spirit the person drinks off. You can get into a place and merge with the people there. And the merging is merging with their spirit. I explained that Ruth came out of Moab and merged with the spirit of Israel. So essentially, she became a descendant of Jacob. And we are descendants of Abraham by what? By faith. Even though naturally speaking, we are not descendants. But in the one that really matters, which is spiritually, we are descendants of Abraham. I hope you're getting the point there. It's very important. So you see, God creates nations. Each nation represents something before him. Each nation represents something he wants to do on the earth. And I've said there are two ways he judges nations. Number one is how they behave. And we saw from um, Amos. He will tell you for three transgressions of Damascus. I'm giving as an example uh, Amos chapter 1 now, verse 3. For three transgressions of Damascus and for four, I will not revoke his punishment. And he begins to tell you the things they did. Because he threshed Gilead with implements of sharp iron. So I will send fire upon the house of Hazael. That's their ruler. In verse 6, he tells you about the three transgressions of Geza and for four. And he will tell you that they deported an entire population and delivered it up to Edom. Another example, verse 9, for three transgressions of Tyre and for four, I will not revoke his punishment because he delivered up an entire population to Edom. You see, it counts the things that they did. Edom itself pursued his brother with a sword while he stilled his compassion. His anger also talked continually and he maintained his fury forever. For that reason, he said, I will send fire upon Timon and it will consume the citadels of Bozrah. And God kept on speaking like that. You see, he deals with nations according to the uh, moral operations. That is how they break the moral laws of life. He deals with them like that. He deals with the wickedness of the people. He deals with Sodom and Gomorrah because of their lack of care for the poor and because of their sexual perversion. He dealt, dealt with them like that. They did not respect the institutions that God created. God created institutions and they did not respect those institutions. So he deals with people like that. And for that reason, he will bring judgment upon Sodom and Gomorrah. Here we see him bringing judgment upon Adam, bringing judgment upon Tyre, bringing judgment upon Gaza, and bringing judgment upon Damascus and many other cities like that. But when he came to his people, he said, this is my problem with them. Because they rejected the law of the Lord and have not kept his statutes. Their lies also have led them astray. They went after idols. That's what they were saying. Those after which their fathers walked. For that reason, I will send fire upon Judah and it will consume the citadels of Jerusalem. And if you go down also, you will see how Israel broke the law of God, expressed commandments he had given them, 
It was outlined in verses 6 and 7 and verse 9 also. Uh, verse um, 8 also, I wanted to say. Now, so the point I'm making here is this. So God deals with nations based on this. When it comes to his people, he deals with them based on how, it's not just about morality now, but about the instructions and the commandments of Christ that they are not obeying. But let's, we'll come to his people later. Alright? Now, the other way he, method he deals with, the other reason he deals with nations is how they have rejected the Son. We read from uh, Psalm 2, Psalm 22, Isaiah 45. We read all these things to show that God has proposed the word has gone forth out of his mouth in righteousness I will not turn back. That to the Christ Jesus, every knee will bow. Every tongue will swear allegiance. They will see of him only in Christ is his righteousness and his strength. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I desire to gather you as a hen gathers her cheeks under her wings. He said, but you will not have any of it. Therefore, your house is left to you desolate. And you will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And I said last time that when as a nation, they rejected him and took a criminal in place of him. And they said, let his blood be upon us and upon his, our children. They are still suffering it till today. And they, will sh- they shall yet suffer it more. I see preachers trying to preach as if, no, that's over. It's not over. The only thing that will end it is when they say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they're recognizing Christ. And Paul told us right into the Philippians. He said, God has given him a name that is above every other name. And the mention of the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Jew or not, every knee will bow. Every tongue will swear allegiance. That's the truth. It's a commandment. It's an instruction. It has gone forth out of the mouth of the Father. And it will come to pass. And I said, listen, everyone who obstructs it will see the anger of God. Please, let me just explain this, all right? Don't misunderstand me. If you're talking about hardness, what an average person will call wickedness, not really wickedness, there's none as severe as God. There's none. There's none. There's none. There is none. You don't want to cross him. You don't want him to crush you. You don't want. He said the ones that are falling on him, he will break. The one he falls on, he crushes to powder. That's the God you have to deal with. Listen. If you see an angry God here, and you see a serpent here, poisonous serpent, he said, go towards the serpent, you are safer. The only thing you can do, if you see the angry God, if you know how to quickly tell him, please, be cool. I'm sorry. But we're talking about danger. If you want to be stubborn in your wickedness, you will stand a better chance without serpent. And I'm saying to you, God has decreed severe judgment for those who reject the son. Every nation that rejects the son, he counts for people. This he counts two ways: number of opportunities and a particular duration of time. He counts both of them. The number of opportunities within a particular duration of time. They cross it, he closes the door. And when he closes the door, Judgment that is severe, more severe than you can imagine, is going to come upon the people. So two things we said last time, the last two times. One, how people behave. And two, whether they accept or reject the son. Please don't forget it. Very important. Now, so what is the role of the intercessor? What God did is this. In every nation, therefore, he now created a special group of people. They are the ones he deals with only on one principle. How they reject his instruction. How they reject his commandments. And that's why this is, I want to warn pastors, be careful. Be careful. All this is recorded for our learning. 
I was telling you the other day about one pastor that came to brag. And I tell people brag on things they should be ashamed of. He said in his church he does not pray political prayers. So there are APC people in his church, PD people are there, Afghan people are there, all kinds of political people are there. So he preaches a balanced message. Then a big PDP man came and said, pray that my party will win an election. He said, I cannot pray like that. I just pray for the will of God. The guy said, no, 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 no. Pastor, forget the will of God. Then he opened his, envelope, his bag, brought out an envelope, and said, Pastor, pray. The pastor opened it and saw thousands of dollars. He said, he dragged the man by the hand to the altar, let us pray. And he was using it to preach. Now, when you are pre- preaching with things like that, it means you don't even realize how wrong it is. I want to say this to you, like Amos. For three transgressions of Judah and for four, I will not revoke his punishment. Because they knew it was wrong to pray political prayers when they saw money. Yet they took the money and dragged the man to the altar. Therefore, I shall send fire on that altar, says the Spirit of God. Not kidding. Because, see, <laughs> I tell people, see, these days, when the Bible says something, don't go against it. He said, give your offering secretly. Say, Pastor, I'm giving. He said, I want to see those who will stand. He said, Pastor, I am not standing. Didn't you hear what Pastor Amos said? That's me calling myself Pastor Amos. <laughs> then listen, a time comes, God says, hey, I'm coming against those who deliberately go against my instructions. Yes. There's something about sin and disobedience. He has a day of judgment. And because that day doesn't come quickly, people persist in doing that, which is wrong. And I'm giving you a warning ahead of time that that day of that judgment is close by. So please, sanctify yourselves. Cleanse your hands. Cleanse your hearts. If you go to a church where the pastor makes you sin every day, stop going. You know why? You will die before him. If you don't. People don't realize it. He will die before the man. Who said carry something on an ark? David. Who died? Uzzah. David learned, like one man of God said, he learned an expensive lesson at the expense of Uzzah. Uzzah paid for the lesson. David learned that, ah, we don't carry the ark like that. But Uzzah is dead. One brother I knew once, he would mount the pulpit in his church, he'd be talking, talking, talking. One day I called him, I said, bros, you won't die. I called him to my sitting room, I told him, you will soon die. Apostle, I told him. I said, when you are dead, you'll be replaced. I told him like that. I said, this is what you are doing. Of course, your pastor will promote you. They will promote you. Don't you say our politicians promote thugs? I mean, when fire starts, that talk is one they shoot. Because you are, you are the chief talk. There's one they killed in one state, not too far away from here, not close by, not too far, but not. They say special assistant or special advisor to the governor on security matters. Some people were making noise, making noise. They say, he's a special advisor to the governor. I say, no, he's just chief talk. Lizard. You know, there are denominations in this nation. They promote you as you remit money. And you, foolish Nigerian, you are raising money every Sunday to remit. Listen, your Gapata Pata will survive. Your state pastor or whatever be, he will survive. You! You, 
it will rain fire on the citadels of Giza. Listen, if they didn't call you to ministry, go home. Ministry, no be false. Let me tell you what ministry is. It's not pastoring the denomination, but no branch. It's to stand on the side of the road, sharing our tracks. Jesus is coming again. That's ministry. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Your, your, own, your problem is you say you want the tie to Papa. <laughs> you are thinking that if I suffer like this long, you know, one day my time will come. Your time is coming to enter the grave. That is all. Nothing, no other one is coming. Leave that thing. I'm giving you the word of God. I'm not kidding about this. Because what happens is that when iniquity, when the judgment for iniquity is not quickly executed, the Bible says, men persist in doing unrighteousness. And God comes to Judah and he says, look at how they have turned their backs against my law. And we have done that for years. Pastors will preach things that don't, they know it's not scriptural. But they will tell you, but it brings money. I know the one telling me the other day that your pastor said that when he tells you, oh God, this is not like that. He said, I know the one you are saying is correct, but how does that one bring money? That, listen, Bishop needs me to bring money. Listen, let me just tell you, anybody who fears God, man more than God dies fast. The man you are afraid of will die later. He has been kept there as a temptation for many people. Did the old prophet not kill the young prophet that God sent to Samaria to go and prophesy? Against the altars of Jeroboam. And the old prophet still survived. If I came to bury the young one. I'm giving instructions to young preachers. who are Because you see, you know the truth? I've talked to them. They know these things are wrong. One man left on one big, one denomination. One day we were at the airport. He was giving me gist about his big boss. He wasn't talking much about the man, but talking about his relationship with the man. He said, one day he told the man, sir, I have to leave your church. The man was surprised. He looked at him. Why? He said, sir, I have discovered that I fear you more than I fear God. He said, I fear you more than I fear God. That's not good for me. He told the man straight, that is why I'm leaving. I'm not discussing whether, you are, whether what you are doing is right or wrong, but I discovered that me, if God says don't, and I'm adding words, I didn't say this. If God says don't do something, and you say do it, I will do it. And if God says do it, and you say don't do it, I will not do it. That's not healthy for me as a believer. Why should I fear a man more than I fear God? Many of us who are branch pastors, we fear senior pastor more than we fear God. How do you know? You see the clear instruction of scripture. You go against it. One of those pastors went to one of my sisters and said, my sister, please pray for me. He said, mommy, please pray for me. Say why? Say I don't know the one that I'm, that I'm doing. What God is going to do to me, I don't know. He said because this one I'm doing. He said on Saturday I prepared a powerful message. These were his words. I know I heard from heaven. I know I have the message of God for the people. Then I got a message, like military people say it. I got a signal at night that I needed to remit a certain amount of money next Sunday. That's tomorrow Sunday. So that's how I abandoned the message of the Holy Spirit. And I brought another message that will raise money. Hear ye the word of the Lord. The judgment of God is about to start falling on such activities. Yes. What will a human bishop do to you more than sack you? And God will love you. I mean, that's all they can do. You are afraid of money? 
Go and get a job. Bishop is there. I don't mean bishop as in bishop of church. I mean bishop as an architect. He can give you where they are digging. Help him carry sand and cement. And you'll be enough money to eat for the day. Am I lying? He said, Pastor, I cannot, I can't carry sand though. I can't carry cement. Let me tell you what you can do. I went to Port Harcourt. One young man came and met him. He was working in an oil servicing company. They didn't pay him for months. He said, my parents are well to do. He said, but I have listened to you. I realized I couldn't go back home to go and ask my parents for money. So I joined my friends while in construction. I learned how to paint. So what do you do now? He said, I paint houses. It's an engineer. Working in an oil servicing firm. So when they wouldn't pay salaries, I started painting. Why can't pastors do that? You think it's only engineers that can do that? It's better than to be annoying God every day. You dress for church, God is angry. Is he good? <laughs> Some of you, I've told you, stop going to so because when judgment will come, don't say I didn't warn you. Don't say I didn't warn you. What is the assignment of God for these people in any nation? We have already established. He judges the people for this that I've said. But when he finds his own people, he says, I've given them an assignment in any nation. As you have seen, he's the judge of the nations. There's just one thing they can do. They approach him for mercy on behalf, on behalf of that land. When you're praying for nations like you have seen already, two things. One, they have seen by their works. And number two, they have rejected Christ Jesus. God has a purpose for the nation. And see, because of these two things, I have told you that God's judgment comes upon nations. There's no third reason. It's these two things. They are bad works and the rejection of Christ. Now God says, okay, I've planted my people there to correct these things. So what do they do? I'll tell you. The only thing they can do to suspend judgment in the initial instance is to ask for mercy. You can't rebuke the punishment. I hope you get my point. Right now, God is angry with the whole earth. Do you know how I know? Food has doubled in price everywhere. That's how you know God is vexed. See so this country. You know, it's not this country. In America, food too doubled in price. God broke the staff of bread. Things are just getting expensive everywhere. I don't want to start touching, discussing economics now. I will explain the reason to you. What happened in the United States, why it happened in Nigeria, why it happened in the UK, why it's happening in many places. There are economic parameters you can use to understand it. But the truth is that it's the heaven. It's heaven that rules. And heaven broke the staff of bread. Now, if you want that to stop in a nation, the only thing you can do is to ask for mercy for that land. Now, the principle of asking for mercy is this. First, God, you know, we read that from Deuteronomy chapter 32, that God created these nations according to the number of what? The sons of Israel. And we say the Israel of God, right? Now, so what God does to us is that he plants us in each nation. He picks his people. They are called his elect. And he ties them to the land. And he gives an instruction. Is there any way I put you like that? Identify with them. That's the instruction from heaven. How do I know that I said to Jeremiah, tell these people, I'm going to send them into lands, a foreign land as, an exile, as exiles. So when they get into that place, they should settle there. They should settle properly. It's a time for us. He said, then they should entreat the Lord 
for the welfare of that land. They should seek the welfare of that land and ask the Lord concerning it. He said, in its welfare, they will find welfare. In its prosperity, they will find prosperity. In its peace, they will find peace. So that is why anything that happens around, you know, sometimes we preach a gospel that evil will be going on, but we are going to be in Goshen. No, that time hasn't come. What really happens right now is that what is going on around, God allows you to be touched with the feeling of the infirmity. Because if you are not, you will not be an effective intercessor for the land. And God has, like he said, I still have many people in this place. So the gospel has to be preached until he has harvested everybody that he has in that land. I hope you're getting my point. So what I'm trying to say, let's give us an example. So it makes you a Ghanaian. So it says, what's the affairs of Ghana? It makes you a Nigerian. It says, what's the affairs of, Niger- of um, Nigeria? Identify with it. Pray for the land. Listen to this. Repent on behalf of the land. Ask for mercy on behalf of that land. Entreat the Lord. That is, it's not something we pray. We bind. We cast. You can't bind and cast judgment. If your bind and casting was working, bind and cast corruption. Did you get my point? Bind and cast wickedness. It's not when God wants to punish wickedness, you start binding and casting. You can't do that. You should bind and cast if you have the power when people are doing what is wrong. When God is executing judgment against that, you can't do that. But you can ask for mercy. And anytime God grants mercy, it's, it's for a temporary period. Because the thing that actually sustains mercy is repentance. What sustains mercy is revival. Revival brings forth repentance. And let me speak, speak to the church in this nation. Get your acts together. You are the only hope the nation has. That's how God has ordained it. It is the Christians in this land that can take the, matter, the matters of this land to the Lord. And he will listen. Unfortunately, Satan has recruited many of us who are not working for the Lord, we are working for Satan. So what God hears every day is accusations, not intercession. Meanwhile, what we should do is to say to the Lord, now, let me get practical now. We'll go to the Lord and say to him simply, we know. I mean, like like I told, told you, the job the Lord has given me is to raise intercessors for him. Intercessors have understanding. They know what to say. They know the right words to take to the Lord. So they say things like, Lord, we understand because the, the, Satan will tell them, Lord, look, God is God. I've heard Nigeria has expired as a country. Have you heard that one before? Yeah. There's no country currently called Nigeria. If anybody's telling, talking to you like that, ask him, what is the current country? If he does not know, tell him, beg, leave me alone. Let me, let me stay with what I know. Because you that's talking, you want to lead me into confusion. You don't know the one that is current. If you know, let me know. I will, I will turn it to prayer. I've seen people who exalt the devil. They say Nigeria was created at the bottom of the Atlantic by evil people for the purpose of Satan. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. To me, that's nonsense. I can't take it. There's not, I don't care the vision you saw. Well, you know the one quoting just now as we were praying? That even if we saw, if an angel, let him be a cut, that is the written word is more powerful than your seen vision. <laughs> people don't say they, say they went to hellfire. You were referring to it just now. And then they saw people who are doing breakdowns and had 
hair extension there. It's a lie. God doesn't send people to hell fire because of hair. Look at this, this DJ. You, you all go to hell. This kind of hair. <laughs> you have on your hair. Don't worry, you are safe. God won't send it to hell because of hair. He looks at you. If your heart is cut badly, if Satan don't cut Rico for your heart, then you are going to have fire. People wanted to sway us with visions. Of course, we reject those visions. And we still do reject them. What I'm trying to say is that I don't care the vision of yourself. If you don't exalt the fact that God is a governor amongst the nations, I can't accept it. So we go to God, say, Lord, you, cre- you, you create you give the boundaries of the nations according to the number of the sons of Israel of God. So you wanted somebody to, to be able to say, the church in Nigeria. So when we come, we come on behalf of the church in Nigeria. And the church in Nigeria comes on behalf of the nation, which God has sent them into as exiles, like Jeremiah said. And they start entreating the Lord for that land. And they will say, Lord, we know there has been corruption, but Lord, have mercy. Grant us peace despite the corruption so that we can preach the gospel that will wipe away corruption from the land. Can you see what I'm trying to say there? There has been sexual immorality, perversions of all types. Lack of respect for divine institutions like marriage. Lord, we know. But have mercy. After all, you are a merciful God. And you are praying this prayer with one thing in mind. The peace is to be granted for the propagation of the gospel. Zamfara currently is devastated. Much of northern Nigeria is devastated by banditry, by headsmen attacks. Sheikh Gumi said they should build schools. My mind, say you post yourself there as a teacher. Say if you build more schools, did Jonathan not build schools? Spent a lot of money on building schools in those areas. Didn't help anything. Because the number of schools you have will not reduce the judgment of God against a land. I hope you're getting my point. So they've been devastated. But you know that God loves that land. I don't know why he loves land, but he does. He wants it back. And he wants the people that came into this earth through those geographical areas to be redeemed unto him. So when we are praying, those are the things we have in mind. And we know if God grants peace and the generation passes and the gospel does not move in properly into those areas, see, the judgment you suspended will come back reinforced. It may take the next 40 years. But another generation will come that will suffer more hardship than the current one you prayed for. I hope you're getting my point. So when we pray for mercy, right after that, we pray, send laborers into your harvest field. Send revival into the land. Let it be that the mention of the name of Jesus, signs and wonders will be done. Those are the prayers we pray. Many of us are focused on just economic you know, recovery. No, economic affliction came for two reasons, which I already explained. The iniquity of the people and the rejection of the gospel of Jesus. There is no name given under heaven by which men shall be saved, shall be forgiven, apart from the name of Jesus. So, when you pray, you are not praying for economic recovery, primarily. You are praying for peace, so that the real thing can be done, which is the advancement of the gospel. Men must come to know, you see, see Zanfara, as they were doing Sharia, they were pronouncing a curse upon the land. That curse will not be lifted until the gospel comes to neutralize every nonsense they are planted in the place. 
We make a lot of noise. Katna, katna, katna. God said, hey, hey. What you guys call Christianity is not what I call Christianity. True Christianity, you need to pray it into what you thought was Christian nations, Christian lands, Christian communities. Because affliction arises for the two reasons I've already explained. So we ask God for mercy for the land. He's the God of the nations. If he grants peace, nobody can make trouble. If he says, thus far, no further, that's the end of war. If God can tell you, do you want to see AK-47? One million at a time? He say, yes, I'll make them gather it in Abuja one day. And you will see all the weapons from everywhere. Gather in one place. I've just broken the weapons of war. I turned them into plowshares. And he can do that literally. He can, you can watch them dismantle AK-47s, ship them to Lagos, and smelt them. Is it not steel? Yes. And they use it to make containers and chairs and all kinds of things. So I can do that. His name, the God that makes wars, sees. He can do it anytime. So that's why we employ him for mercy. We ask him for mercy. Lord, do this. But we bear this in mind. It is for a purpose. I give this prophetic word again. Nigeria was created primarily to spread the gospel of God to all the nations of the earth, beginning from Africa. Yeah. The wealth of this land was given for the preaching of the gospel. This nation was gathered to showcase, this is my understanding of this, what I'm about to tell you, to showcase what, showcase this is how you know that you're supposed to finish this message and go home. And begin bite your tongue. <laughs> this country was gathered to showcase the meaning of redemption upon the descendants of Ham. Yes? Yes? That's what the Bible calls the demonstration of his righteousness. Yes, heaven knows truth. Heaven knows some truths. They know it. God knows it. But he has to demonstrate it. So he says, I have to show in this land that I have removed the curse that's upon the people. How does he do it? You guys will go out, preach the gospel. The people will believe. And I will pour a blessing upon the land. And I will say to the land, leave. I don't have to be begging anybody for FDIs. In fact, I will make you the one giving other people FDIs. Sorry, foreign direct investment. Yes, I can do that. God said, that's not an issue for me. If you know God enough, let me tell you something. All the money I've been saving up for tomorrow, from tomorrow, start spending it. Tomorrow, like tomorrow. You are saving the money for tomorrow figurative. I'm giving you spend from tomorrow literal. Tomorrow's, today's what? This Christmas, Enjoy yourself. Hallelujah. You have never done your best day. You will do it this Christmas. You were born in March, I know. But this... <laughs> I'm telling you. Relax. Why did I say that? You want people to know that, listen, God actually has control. Yes, he does. Buy your heads. We'll continue preaching next time. Let's say, Lord, thank you for your truth. We teach you have enlightened us again today. Say, Lord, thank you for your truth. We teach you have enlightened my heart again today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, I'm learning how to pray. Say to the Lord again. We prayed this prayer here some weeks ago. Say, Lord, make me an intercessor indeed. 
weaponize my heart, my hands, my spirit, to be effective in spiritual warfare. Lord, teach me to endure hardship. It's important. Many people run away. They are lost as intercessors to God. Say, Lord, I pray for this nation. Just take a minute and pray for this country. And whichever country you are watching us from, especially from, from Ethiopia, right now, the wrath of God is manifested upon that land in Ethiopia. And it's showing up as sword and famine. Stop it before it gets too far. Get on your knees if you're an Ethiopian Christian and say, Lord, have mercy upon this land. Some of you may be watching from a distant country. Fly back home. People say, you're going back home. It's dangerous. Say, no, no, this is time to pray. And I need to be there as a sign. Say to the Lord, have mercy upon my land. The people, you don't know, Ethiopians have been, they've been sorting Jesus for a long time. They did not know. You call a man the lion of the tribe of Judah, and you guys are laughing about it. What's the name of the former ruler at that time? The emperor, Elisa Lese. And Jesus said, that land? No, 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 no. There's something, you have planted a cause for divine wrath. What do you need? For the Ethiopian, I know the Coptic church, I think they are strong there. Pray Jesus again and start declaring it loud into the air that Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And say it publicly, not Emperor Helis Halese. Say Rastafarianism is of the devil, we reject it. Yes, we do. You have to tell, no, I'm preaching for it to Ethiopian Christians. Rastafarianism is ungodly. It is usurping the authority of Christ Jesus. It's obstructing the view of the sun. And that's not funny. The God not say when they say peace, peace, then destruction, sudden destruction shall come upon them. It's not the same land that their head of state won a Nobel Peace Prize. Ask yourself what happened. I'll tell you what happened. It's called the wrath of the Almighty. So if you're an Ethiopian Christian, time to get on your knees and say, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy. I've told you the specific sin to cry against. Because you see, God usually will tell you for three transgressions of Gaza and for four. And he'll give you specific words. So if people in Gaza were to pray for mercy, they will confess the sin. The sins that God accused them of. For deporting an entire population to deliver it up to Edom. They will say to the Lord, we are sorry. Have mercy on us. And the Christians will say, Lord, have mercy on the land. Do not bring forth the fullness of your judgment so that we may reap a harvest of the souls, your remnant that's remaining in the land. That's how to pray. The people of Tyre are supposed to pray. They'll pray in a similar manner. And the people of Judah are to pray. Uh -uh. They will pray, say, Lord, have mercy, for we rejected your law and did not keep your statutes. Our lies led us astray. Lord, have mercy. That is how to pray. Please, I have that word for those who may be in Ethiopia. Because the anger of God is manifested currently against the land. But there is a remedy. Let's give the Lord thanks this evening. Say, Lord, we thank you for your truth. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. It's well with you in the name of Jesus. I declare that goodness, mercy, favor from heaven will go with you in Jesus' name.
remember, there is a special anointing being released in this season. The ability to do work for God. Receive it again in the name of Jesus. Be filled with the Spirit. If you have not received the Holy Spirit before, as I'm praying right now, you will receive it. Be filled with the Spirit in Jesus' name. Wherever you are watching us from, I declare, be filled with the Spirit in the name of Jesus. Even if you were filled before, listen, the apostles, when they went to pray, the Holy Spirit came upon all of them again. Paul said, be continually filled with the Spirit. So to everybody I say again, be filled with the Spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ. Now listen to what will happen to you. A special boldness will come upon you. A special kind of eloquence will come into your tongue. In the name of Jesus Christ. Now listen, you will lay your hands on the sick and they will recover. An old man will complain he can't see well. He says, my age. Tell him, age is not a disease. It's a blessing. Lay your hands on those eyes and he will see well. An old woman will tell you, my bones are weak. It's my age. Say to her, old age is not a disease. It's only allowed to make you wise. Lay hands on her and her bones will become strong again. You will lay hands on some people. They will begin to look younger. In the name of Jesus Christ. Maybe if you lay your hands on your own self, you will begin to look younger. Because the Bible says they looked to him and they were radiant. And their faces were no longer ashamed. That blessing will pass through your hands into the lives of many. Remember, it's our season of the demonstration of the Spirit and of the power of God. In the name of Jesus Christ. Now let's share the grace in fellowship. Because of the grace of... Hey, wait, wait. Let's share the grace in fellowship. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the cause into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of the demonstration of the Spirit and of the power of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now you are going to bless three people around you. Say to them, this is your season. Of the Spirit and of the power of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Two more people. This is your season of the demonstration of the Spirit and of the power of God. The last person now. This is your season of the demonstration of the Spirit and of the power of God in the name of Jesus. One last one for yourself. This is my season of the demonstration of the Spirit and of the power of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, cheer up, brethren. Let's meet on Friday. God bless you.